Good morning, church. Wow, I've not spoken in so long. I feel nervous. If you need a handout for today's sermon, will you please wave your hand? I think our worship posts are creating more. We ran out. That's a good problem. Uh, here you go, Jake. You can have mine. I didn't pre-fill it, though, so you're going to have to pay attention. All right. If you need one, just catch a, a worship post. They'll have one for you. Also, uh, on your seats today is this colored paper uh, coming this fall, this October, we're going to have a series called Because You Asked. If you have any questions about the Bible, about God, about um, life, about teenagers, uh, feel free to write down your question. We're going to sift through them, see which ones that we can answer and that will apply to the majority of us. And we'll try to get to all of them, but usually we have more than we can answer, but we'll hopefully choose yours. But go ahead and write yours in, and you can turn it into the barrels here up front today uh, after service or during my sermon if you want. If you just get uh, struck with a great question and you're on fire with it, go ahead and take it up there. That's totally okay. Um, you don't have to put your name on it. It can be anonymous, but just know, Travis, um, that I will know ridiculous questions have come from you. So... Anyway, worship was amazing. I hope the Lord loved it. I, I feel like you came ready to worship this morning. Um, there's something about a new year, just worshiping God with your church family. It was just electric for me. And, and what I love about our church family is we understand that our worship is, it's not to please our neighbor. It's not to please our children or our spouse. It's not to please our parents. Um, we don't have to engage in worship if you don't want to. It's, it's not about anyone here. It's all about him. And so just seeing the passion, worshiping in your own way, you know, and it looks different for each person. Uh, Carrie and I moved over here this week, so it was kind of nice to be on this side of the auditorium uh, to hear their worship. It got me kind of excited. Um, I mean, this side is great too, uh, but this side was on fire this morning. So anyway... Welcome to the Exchange Church. If you're a first-time guest or second-time guest, we love you. This is a great church. I love this church. I don't think that I'm biased, but I may be. Um, the Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And oftentimes in moments or seasons of crisis, in moments of chaos, in moments of uncertainty, in moments of unforeseen circumstances, uh, we can sometimes allow our purpose to slip out of gear. I call it treading water. Some of you may call it coasting, taking your foot off the gas pedal. You know, when the world is going a bit crazy, it's hard to keep driving forward. It's human nature, in fact, Sonny, to kind of withdraw, regroup, kind of put up some boundaries, make sure it's, it's a defense mechanism, right? We often do that. Psychologists would tell us that a trauma response falls in one of three categories. Fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. In other words, when something stressful happens, we have this innate wiring to respond in one of those three ways. We, we come out fighting, fists up, ready to go. We come out just wanting to run and get away from the conflict or confrontation as fast as possible. 
or we freeze. We just stand there and hope life doesn't kill us. Do, do I have any fighters in the room? Any fighter? If you're a fighter, where are my fighters at? Go ahead. My wife is one. I don't even have to look if she's raising her hand. I know. She is a fighter. Do I have any, uh, anyone in the room that likes to flight? Flight? Okay, good. Secretly, you are carrying around a set of wings because you have learned to get the heck out of Dodge. All right? And some of us, some of us like to freeze. Do I have anyone in here with frostbite this morning? Some of you like to freeze. Good. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean that you don't do all of them. Anyone just say, I never know what I'm going to get. Okay, that's kind of me too. <clears throat> if I come out fighting, my wife is like, look at you. <laughs> but I will. I will come out fighting. Uh, I will flight. Uh, and I, I will freeze. I do all of them quite well. The problem with fight, flight, or freeze, though, is that these responses have a healthy version and an unhealthy version, Right? If the building is on fire, I suggest you not freeze. You flight. And that's a healthy response. That's a defense mechanism. God wired you with some amount of wisdom, and you need to run when you need to run, right? Sometimes you need to fight. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying who or what, but when you get diagnosed with cancer, you need to fight. Sometimes that, that ability to fight is working for you because God placed it there. And sometimes we need to free. Somebody just needs this morning to wait on the Lord. Not make a move, not step out here or there. Just stand still and let the Lord fight your battle. Do you see there's a healthy fight, flight, or freeze? And there's an unhealthy uh, version of fight, flight, or freeze. And the healthy response will protect you while pushing you onward in purpose. The unhealthy version will protect you, but it won't propel you. The healthy version will protect you, and it will push you onward toward your purpose. 2023, thank you, Greg, for saying that year so much. I may actually not write 2022 on everything that I signed this week. 2023 is the year that I move forward. I'm moving forward spiritually. I'm moving forward professionally. I'm moving forward relationally, financially, physically, mentally, strategically. Any kind of Lee, I'm going to Lee Lee it. I'm going to make progress by God's grace in each area differently. Some of those areas I will progress rapidly. Some of them may be slow. Some of them I may take a few steps back before I take a few steps forward. But my hope is that in 2023, I'm moving onward. I'm not letting my foot go off the gas. I'm not drifting. I'm not paralyzed. I'm not freezing or fighting or flighting because of the trauma or the stress or the unmet expectations. I'm moving onward. And that's the name of my series, the first series of 2023. It's onward. Onward. I want to encounter 2020. I don't want 2023 to happen to me. I want to happen to 2023. 
I want to move forward with measured steps. I want to move forward with wisdom and, and being faith-filled. I want to, whatever challenges come my way in 2023, I may not make the right decision, but whatever decision I'm going to make, I'm going to do it boldly. You have my guarantee. Now that could be scary, <laughs> but I'm moving onward. In this first series of 2023 onward, it's, it's my invitation to you to join me. I, I want to do this together. I don't want to leave anybody behind. If you want to be left behind, that's fine. You stay where you want to be. I'm not forcing anyone onward, but this is my invitation to you to let purpose be awakened and developed in 2023 more than ever before. I want to live 2023 on purpose. To set the stage for onward living, why don't you go with me to Romans chapter 4, and please stand as we honor the reading of God's word today. We're looking at a man of faith known as Abraham. In chapter 4, his name is Abram, and this is what chapter 4 verses 18 through 22 in the ESV translation says. It says, in hope, he, being Abram, he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope. The NIV translation of that little phrase says, against all hope, which means to continue to hope for something even though it seems unlikely to happen. Okay, so Abram continued to hope for something even though it seemed unlikely to happen that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. The title of my sermon today is Get Your Hopes Up. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for 2023. I thank you for January 8th, the day where we've gathered collectively to believe that there's something that the throne room of heaven has to offer our soul. So God, I ask that our ears would be open, our eyes would be open, we would be attentive to your word, that we would just lean in. Let Holy Spirit speak to us. Whatever we're going through, whatever situations we're currently in, God, I ask that you would stir within us to allow us to believe that it's time yet again to get our hopes up. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church say amen. amen. Before you sit down, turn to four people and say, it's time, it's way past time to get your hopes up. Come on, if you're watching online, type in the chat, get your hopes up, it's time. <clears throat> Every year on Jordan's, where is Jordan, by the way? Jordan. Jordan, this, this is not working out so well. 
He may have gone to clean the bathrooms. Oh, hey, Jordan and Carrie, what are you doing up there? What's wrong? Honey? Huh? Oh, well, don't I feel like a heel. <clears throat> well, go on back out there and y'all can finish that prayer. Because the joke I'm about to say is not very encouraging. <laughs> so listen. Every year, Jordan puts on his Christmas wish list a pair of $500 sneakers. Every year. Every year. He even put it on the Elfster list where the siblings are swapping and the limit was $25. <laughs> now, he's not gotten those shoes, and he won't get those shoes for me. Uh, especially, yeah, no, he's, he's old enough now. If he wants those shoes, he needs to save up for a couple years, I think, to get those shoes. Um, but my point is that that kid knows how to hope. <laughs> if anyone wants an example of somebody who knows how to hope, hang out with my son, Jordan. If anyone wants a good example of someone who knows how to hope in the right thing, let's hang out with Abraham. There's a difference, okay? The, the historical background of this story, this chapter four that we just read, Abram had already lived to be 75 years old. His name is Abram. It's not Abraham yet. It will be later. It's Abram, which, which translates literally to exalted father. So he has no kids at the age of 75, and his name means honored father. Talk about a stab every time somebody says your name and your parents named you honored father, exalted father, and you want kids and you're not getting kids. Like that's, that's pretty tough. It's hard enough to want kids and not to have them. But for your name to mean the very thing that you so desperately desire, that's a whole other level. God one day interrupts his, Abram's somewhat subtle existence to give him a crazy command, an incomprehensible command. And he says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, Go from your country and your family and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. So God shows up, tells Abram to gather all of your things and go. I'm not going to tell you where, but just go. And as you go, eventually you'll see what I want you to see. And the Bible tells us that Abraham obeyed. He gathered his family his servants, his livestock, all of his possessions, and he went. He didn't know where he was going. Could you just imagine the context for a moment of you packing up everything in your home, renting a U-Haul, and they ask you, well, where are you going to drop it off? And you say, I don't know. Like, that's pretty insane. Reckless, wouldn't you think? But God told Abram to do it, and Abram obeyed. <clears throat> Several years later, well, I suppose then hours, I guess if I was Abram, Greg and I started walking, I would assume that by sunset I would have some kind of direction. I would think by Friday the Lord would communicate where I'm headed, 
right? But the days turned to weeks, weeks turned to months, months turned to years. And the next time we see the Lord visit Abraham is, is years later, several years later. And we see in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, it says, He brought him outside. The Lord brought Abram outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Here's the key part. And Abram believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham encountered God. God showed up a couple of times to give instructions. And face to face, the Lord is like, hey, look at all the stars. If, if you can count them, if you can, that's how many, uh, that's the count of your offspring. Like that's a pretty huge encounter. It's a supernatural encounter. What, what a beautiful, moving promise that I can't imagine what that moment was like to have the Lord give you a sermon illustration. Look at the stars. This is your promise. But then another seven, eight years goes by. I would have thought that second visitation, Mauricio, by Friday. By Friday, I would start to see something going on in the kitchen. You know what I mean? I would start to smell the bread baking in the oven. I would, I would start to understand that God is already doing what he told me. He's told me. He's told me twice. Why can't I see the outcome of it happening already? But seven to eight years pass, and that these two visits took place before what I would call the long wait. The long wait. Like longer than Christmas Day when you smell the turkey, you smell the food, but Aunt Jojo's not there yet. So nobody can eat. And you're waiting and you're hungry and you, your mouth is watering and you're getting stomach cramps. Like that's a long wait, but Abraham had a really long wait before he could see the promise. Abraham is aging. Sarai, Sarah is still barren. I, I imagine after seven or eight years, the memory starts to grow dull. Did God really tell me that? Did God really stand with me on the, the cliff and point to the stars and tell me that my offspring was going to be like that? Did, was that the promise of God. I mean, when he was standing there, I believed it. But as time has passed on, I start to question if I really heard the promise of God correctly or not. Seven, eight years, the memory goes, grows dull. After 10 years, after 10 years, things go a little bit sideways. Sarai tells her husband Abram to go have a little bit of personal time with her maidservant, Hagar. Because Sarah can't conceive a child, so I'll give you my maidservant, and then we'll make the promise of God come to pass. So, so Abram, why don't you go, go to the tent with Hagar and, and get us a child? I don't know what Abram said. I'm, are you sure? What? Are you sure about this? But, but he did, and then we know that Ishmael was conceived. Ishmael wasn't the promise. You can make a blessing if you want to. But if you make a blessing, you're going to miss a blessing. And the blessing you miss will be greater than the blessing you make. How long are they going to have to wait? 
one year later, 25 years after the promise, 25 years after the promise, we know that Isaac is born and the promise is complete. So the Lord has visited a few times. He's reminded him, he's reaffirmed it. And Abram had an encounter with Jesus, but it still took 25 years for the promise to come. Now, for those of you that are wanting to live on purpose in 2023, let's go ahead and begin to collect those promises that have gathered some dust. As I'm preaching the rest of this sermon, I want you to think back to the promises that the Lord has told you. The promises that you've read about, those promises for peace, those promises for joy, those promises for a healthy marriage, those promises for your, your kids to know Jesus and not to stray, those, those promises for your identity and self-esteem to be in alignment with God's word. Go ahead and begin to collect all of those promises from the, the dark shelves and the, the empty cupboards where you've placed them because I believe God is going to stir up within us today a new desire for the old promises that we've let slip away. But that's the story behind Romans chapter 4, our text that we read. That whole story is the story that's behind Romans chapter 4. Now, in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul is building a case that righteousness comes through faith alone. But here in chapter 4, he inserts something new, that his strongest piece of evidence for the position that he's laying out. Faith comes in Christ alone. And he offers his key witness, his star witness, Abraham. The father of the Jewish lineage. This is exhibit A of saving faith. And there's something in our text that's a bit interesting about faith itself. It's shown here in chapter 4. And it's that faith that justifies is also a faith that pleases God. The faith that you carry, the faith that justifies you and makes you in right standing with God, that same faith pleases God. The faith that justifies keeps us from the unhealthy cycles of fight, flight, and freeze. That same faith, the same faith that makes you in right standing with God is the same faith that will keep you from the unhealthy cycles of fight, flight, and freeze. That faith that justifies helps us persevere during the long wait. This is the year to get your hopes up, church. I know some of you have been through the ringer. Some of you has, have encountered some serious trauma over the last several years, multiple years, decades. I know. I, I hear your stories. I know. I've heard it. I've encountered it as well, but 2023 is the time to get your hopes up. But pastor, I'm, I'm tired of getting let down. I don't care. Do it anyway. Get your hopes up. If you're getting let down, it's because your hope has been placed in something that has the capacity to let you down. What we're going to do on, onward is we're going to place our faith and our hope in something that doesn't have the capacity of letting us down. Get your hopes up. It's time to stir the faith. To stir our faith this morning, I want to look at three quick examples or three elements to Abraham's faith in our text. Point number one, one of the things that Abraham did well in his faith journey, keep in mind he was listed as a hero of faith. He is a model of faith, so we should lean in when we're talking about Abraham and faith. The first thing he did was he believed the promise. 
Are you believing the promise? In verse 18, we see that Abraham, against all hope, in a situation where it doesn't make sense to even keep hope alive. He believed that he should become the father of many nations. Just like Jesus, just like the Lord had told him. He was told the promise and he believed it. My question to you is, do you actually believe the promises of God apply to you? When we're not pursuing the promises of God, there are only one of two problems. We don't believe that we're worthy enough or we don't believe that God is good enough. Do you believe that God is good enough to apply promises to someone as unworthy as you? We have to believe the promises. Faith responds by investing trust in God's words. Faith responds by standing firm in the promise as if it's a guarantee, even though you may not have seen it come to pass. Faith says, if God said it, I believe it. I may not see the, I may not see the results uh, the way I want them to. I may not even see any traction in the area. I may see no hint of the promise, but if God said it, I believe it. We may be tempted to say, well, yeah, pastor, if God came to me in a dream or in a vision, or he stood with me outside my house looking up at the stars, if I had a supernatural encounter, it might be easier for me to believe. I know that's what some of us here today are thinking. I've even thought that myself. God, just give me a supernatural encounter. Like, just make it so real. Like, give me the Give me the heebie-jeebies, make the hair on my neck stand up. Let, let me see something supernatural. I would believe it as if true faith raced simply on supernatural visitation. The problem in Scripture, though, with supernatural visitations is that the memory fades. It's always been like that. God could give you the most super, super, super natural encounter with him. But could you hold on to that encounter for 25 years? Probably not, because the memory fades. It's always been like that. Israel, for example, the nation of Israel, they go up to the Red Sea and they're praying for God to deliver them. They need his deliverance. The army is coming behind them. They're about to get smashed. And all of a sudden, the winds start to pick up and the, the waters start to separate. And the sea goes to the left and to the right. And the Israelites, the children of God, walk over on dry ground. They get across, they look back, and the army that's chasing them is drowning because once they got through, the water went on top of them and drowned everyone, even the horses. Poor horses. Why didn't the horses survive? But they saw it with their eyes. What a supernatural encounter. But at some point in the not-too-distant future, they're forgetting that God walked them through dry ground. And they're asking to go back to Egypt where they're in slavery. Why? Because the memory of supernatural visitations fade. But Abraham, he wasn't putting his faith in an encounter. He was putting his faith in God's word. He wasn't putting his faith in something that felt good, felt right, felt exciting, was like, ooh, wow, ooh, look at that. Abraham was putting his faith in the promise of God. Maybe we should stop looking or relying on 
Never stop looking for supernatural encounters. Never stop looking for supernatural encounters. But if your faith is in the supernatural encounter and not in the promise of God over your life, you're missing the point. Our promises are found in God's word. And if I'm not reading my Bible, it's impossible to grow in faith. Listen, church, I, I had someone one time get upset because I very passionately said, read the word. I, w- I was pretty passionate, but they got pretty upset. And they said, that feels like legalism to me. And I didn't say this, but I thought, does it feel like legalism to show up to your wife every night? Or do you just like go around town and stay wherever? Or are there some expectations on a relationship that you do, not because it's a requirement, but it's because you're so madly in love with that other person, you would have it no other way. This is how our faith has grown. This is how our faith is stirred. By reading the word of God. It's impossible to grow in faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We see where, we see where God promises to hear our prayers. But oftentimes, are you like me? Oftentimes you pray and you're like, is there something wrong with the atmosphere? Because my prayer just hit the roof and it came back down. Is there something wrong with my heart, Lord? Because I'm not feeling you right now. Like, I'm praying and I'm driving and I I really need you to come through, Lord, but I I feel like I'm just talking to myself. And the lady at the light next to me is thinking I'm a little weird too. I'm not feeling your presence, God. What's what's going on? What, What do you do when the life you're living doesn't align with the promise that you've been told? God gives promises about our marriage and our family or our finances or over our health but our experience doesn't quite reflect what the promises appear to be. And then doubt creeps in. I know I've been there too. Cynicism claws at your soul and you start to feel uneasy and you wonder if God's really even there. Finally, you start to tell yourself it'll never happen for me. It happens for everyone else, but somehow I'm not the favored one anymore. But here's what faith does. Being in the word and allowing faith to grow in your heart Faith comes along in those moments where all those other voices are so loud in your head and it tells us to allow scripture to be louder than the voices of doubt and unbelief. We live in a very loud world. (laughs) Oh, it's so loud. Our circumstances speak. The economy speaks. Our fears speak. Our sufferings speak. Our fatigue speaks. What faith does is it trusts what God says about our future more than what the circumstances say about our present. We have to determine which voice is going to be loudest in our own mind, in our own heart. We have to determine that just like Abraham had to do. It says in verse 21 that he became fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised There is no shortage of power from heaven, church. You have to get fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what he promised over your life. Believing the promise, number one. Number two, the second thing that Abraham does is 
And we can do too is embracing the circumstances. Embracing the circumstances. Verse 19 is just a hilarious verse to me. It says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He embraced the circumstances. What we can learn about faith in this verse, in this, this embracing the circumstances, is the description of faith is highly linked to reality. Faith is actually linked to reality. There is no attempt to rephrase it. There is no attempt to whitewash it. There is, there is no attempt to deny it. There, there is no spin. There is no avoiding the ugly truth. Do you know what I mean? We all know those people that they have a headache and you say, do you have a headache? And they say, no, I don't. But why are you asking for Tylenol? I don't have a headache in Jesus' name. Abraham actually embraced the circumstances. Sometimes life is really hard, church. Part of being church family is to finding those people, connect, showing up to church, coming early, leaving late, developing relationships. So when the storms of life come, you have somebody that you can be real with. What good is it if you walk through the church halls and somebody says, hey, Ashley, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm blessed and highly favored. But you just cried in your car on the way here. What's the point? Vulnerability and honesty allow us to champion one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. Embrace the circumstances. There's a false faith teaching that's not new. It's been, been around for ages, but it says that if you voice the reality, it's somehow empowering the problem. If you admit that there's a problem, if you just are, are honest, man, my marriage is awful right now. Not, not mine. But you know, if it were, I would need to have somebody to share that with. My kids are... Driving me insane. Not mine. Today. (laughs) We sometimes deny reality in the name of faith, and that's just not faith. And that's why sometimes Christians look a little bizarro. Because we are going through bankruptcy. We're getting evicted from our house. We just got laid off from work and we try to put on a smile as if everything's okay. Now listen, the joy of the Lord is true and you can have joy in all of those circumstances. But to say that life isn't difficult or challenging in a moment because you think those are words of faith, that's denying reality. You're not giving God the platform to do the miracle that he wants to do. You see, you have to first realize that you're in a position where you need him before he'll show up to do what he needs to do. But Abraham didn't do that. He was just honest. I I love it. He, He says, though, that his faith wasn't weakened in those circumstances. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith, even though he considered his own body, which was good as dead. (laughs) How do you like that? Next time somebody says, hey, Trey, how you doing? I'm going to say, oh, good as dead. (laughs) That's what Abraham did. 
but his faith wasn't moved. So that tells me we can be honest about the condition and our faith still be on fire for what God can do. He knew there was no seed. He knew there was no fertility. He knew there was no way. He knew there was no life in the womb. By all accounts, the promise was impossible. But we see that Abraham believed in the middle of lifeless circumstances. The thing you've been waiting for, praying for, when you honestly assess it, it, you may find that there is no change, no progress, no movement, no life, no strength, but there is not no hope. Do you follow that? That thing you've been asking God to fix, to rearrange, to, to bring you before this opportunity, you may see no change, you may see no, no life, you may see no seed, you may, you may see nothing moving, but here's what you won't see. You won't see no hope. Because if God said it, he's going to do it. By the way, if you're in a place today where it feels like things are hopeless, you're in good company. There are places where God will often place us where our only source of hope is him. It's easy to have hope when you've got the skills for the job. It's easy to have hope when you've got connections for the deal or your bank account can bankroll the layoff. It's easy to have hope when things are going well. But we will all find ourselves in a season at some point in our life where the only hope we have is from God. And what are you going to do then? So let's embrace the circumstances. We don't need to fear them. We don't need to deny them. Our hope was never in a circumstance anyway. Admitting that life is crazy doesn't make God less able to do what he said he's going to do. So point number one, believing the promise. Point number two, embracing the circumstance. My final point, sustaining the trust. Sustaining the trust. Verse 20 describes how Abraham's transformation took place. It says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. He grew strong in his faith. He didn't start out strong in his faith, thus entering Ishmael. I don't know if Ishmael had a nickname, Ish, but it was a bad situation. Ishmael became a bad situation, right? He didn't start out strong in faith, but he grew in faith. Strong in his faith, how? As he gave glory to God. Abraham believed long before the circumstances ever changed that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. I think that's amazing. Abraham, the believer, met God in barrenness. Now, that's convicting to me, church, because I'll tell you what I I do pretty often. My faith gets stirred. There's a spark. I I get a little more hopeful when I see change. I've been praying for something. I've been praying for this person or that person or this financial need or church attendance or people serving up, signing up to serve in a certain area. And I see, oh, somebody signed up in that area. And all of a sudden my faith starts to, to rise or, oh, people actually showed up to church today. Oh my God, 
that God's really going to use us. You know what I mean? I, I see things start to change and then my faith arises. But the problem is when that happens, that's an indicator that my hope is in what I can see. My trust is not in the circumstance. Whether I see it coming to pass or not, my trust is in the promise of God. Abraham didn't grow strong in faith as he saw the situation change. He grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. How do you give glory to God? He gave glory to God by just simply believing that God was going to do it. Now, listen, I know I'm over time. Can I have three more minutes? Thank you. Thank you. This side. This side's checking out. This side's not sure. Oh, your, your side is the studious taking notes side. All right. Well, good. The, the message today about hope is not about the passage of time. It's not about if I just wait long enough, God will come through. I hope you're not taking that from what I'm saying today. Because hope and faith is not about just waiting it out. Every problem will end if you wait long enough. But that's not what this is about. God will actually, you know, God will see to it that his promise is complete. But I'm not, I'm not suggesting to you that if you just wait long enough that that promise is going to come like Amazon to your delivery uh, to your front door and it's tied in, in a nice little bow and it's just everything that you hoped for and you wanted because that's actually not faith either. Sometimes waiting isn't enough. Sometimes we never get that closure. Sometimes our friend that has cancer actually dies in the hospital and we don't see that healing. Sometimes that marriage that we're fighting for ends in divorce. Sometimes our kids wander off and get addicted to drugs and alcohol and, and things go haywire and we have been crying and, and praying before the Lord, asking him to protect them and bring them home and, and that's not happening. Sometimes, sometimes we don't get that promise that we thought was the promise. I just heard from a, a pastor watching a sermon online, a, a pastor, I don't know him, but he was saying, given the story of his 24-year-old daughter, for eight years struggled with addiction. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he wept and he wept and he wept. And three months before the sermon he delivered, they had laid her to rest. Addiction ended up taking her life. There's this interesting description of faith in Hebrews 11.13. After going through a catalog of heroes of faith, it says this, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Let that settle in the room. These men and women of faith all died still carrying faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. I can see the promise. I can see the healing I can, I can see the change, but there are people in Scripture, people of faith that died in faith, having the promise seen afar off. They died with unfulfilled promises. They died with unsatisfied requests. They saw them from a distance because 
the treasure of the promise was going to be experienced on the other side of this phase of life. And, and these people were examples of faith because somehow they moved onward. They moved forward. They continued on in faith. They continued on in hope. Not because they had the solution, not because they had the answer, but they had a promise from God. And if he said it, he's going to do it. And if I see it afar off and my fingers can't quite touch it, and should I die in faith, that promise will be fulfilled at some point in human history. It may not be while I'm alive. It may not be for me to see it. It may be fulfilled in heaven. I may get my healing when I cross the pearly gates, but God is going to do what God said he's going to do. True faith sees a larger picture beyond this world. The last part of Hebrews eleven thirteen: these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. The last part, so beautiful, it says, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. You see, it's not really that the promise is unfulfilled, but some promises may be fulfilled in heaven. Many will be fulfilled on earth. I, well, I'm not going to say who said this, but I just think it's so hilarious. A family, family member of mine said it, and I didn't get permission to say it was them. Um, but one person says in my family, when somebody dies, they'll say, oh, they got their heaven. I mean, they got their healing. And the other person says, if that's the healing we're praying for, don't pray for me to get healed if I go in the hospital. <laughs> I want you to pray that I get healed here and now. Many will be fulfilled on earth. Many promises will be fulfilled on earth. But every time we see a promise from afar off, it's not meant to discourage you. It's not meant to disparage you or exasperate you. A promise from afar off is just meant to remind you that you're not home yet. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Many of us are here, and we have Abraham as an example of faith. And what I love, what I love about that is that Abraham had an Ishmael. And he's the one the Bible uses as the example that got it right. And that's so encouraging. Abraham is not offered to us as perfect. He was just persistent. That means for those of us in the room that our fleshly choices of the past no longer need to define us. We don't need to spend the rest of our lives in regret and in shame. Our Ishmaels may live on, but they are written into a bigger story that passes through the cross that redeems us in spite of us. And if you're here this morning and you're ready to hope again, you're ready to believe the promise again, you're ready to embrace the circumstances, be honest with where you are, you're ready to sustain the trust, will you just place your hand on your heart? Father, every person in the room who's made a motion, a movement to acknowledge that we're ready for our, our hope to rise again. We're ready to 
get our hopes up. We're ready to place our hope not in circumstance, not in the economy, not in our job, not even in our relationships, our hope in you. God, we surrender to you all of our expectations. God, we just strip away all the things that have complicated our perspective, all of the things that have caused us to imagine that you're not with us. We place our hope in you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Now, for those of you in the room, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. You're excited to get your hopes up. You're like, Pastor, I'm ready to sign on the dotted line. I, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to be a follower of Jesus if that's you. No one's looking around. Everyone's got their heads bowed and their eyes are closed. This, this moment, I just want you to look up at me if that's you. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, look up at me, make eye contact, wave at me so I know who I'm praying for. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus this morning, the first gathering of 2023. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. If you're watching online, wherever you're at, just raise your hand. The pastor doesn't need to see you. Holy Spirit does. Church, will you just repeat after me a simple prayer? There's no formula to it. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I come to you by grace in faith. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he was buried in a grave and rose again on the third day. From this moment forward, I put my faith in you, my trust in you, my hope in you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, can we just celebrate the people that said yes? Awesome. Awesome. We had two people in the room, and I'm not sure online, but I know Holy Spirit is doing a work in 2023. If you said yes, text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. Now, before you leave, before you gather your things, I want to invite up my wife, Carrie Rose, to Platform. We are very quickly going to celebrate a volunteer for 2022. 2022. Volunteer of the year. Volunteer of the year for 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, I'm really excited about this because we were all talking about the wonderful, incredible, incredible volunteers that we have here at the exchange. And I just have to say this morning, I was reminded oh, yeah. by many of you um, just how incredible and amazing you are. And so we are just... So, so grateful for every single one, but there was um, one volunteer that we want to honor who goes above and beyond. And I mean above and beyond, like, you know, we all volunteer for certain positions, but this person. Everyone's awesome, but let me yes. just share what you I love ahead. about this person. Okay. Okay. I love one thing. She keeps me in line. She could run this. She does run this church. Yes. Um, she, she, she keeps me in line, but what I really love about this volunteer is her urgency. Yeah. Like she's focused, she's yeah. diligent, she's urgent, she's quick, she gets things done. You, you feel when you're around her that what she's doing is important yes. and it is, and it is, yes. but I love it that is. about her. Very important. And 
she looks outside the box. That's what I love because she sees things that I don't always see. And she's like, what about this? Or she'll think about something two Sundays from now. Yeah. What's going to happen when this takes place? And I'm right. like, good question. You know? She so, sees things outside of yes. her ministry. Yes. Even she, she will come up yes. and say, hey, I think this needs some yeah. attention. And I'm like, you're yeah. absolutely so right. Just Thank a you. huge asset to yeah. all of us, really, and to this church. And so we're so grateful for her. And we just wanted to take a moment. Can we just take a moment and honor her this morning? Yes. So our 2022 Volunteer of the Year is... Michelle. Michelle Campbell. Y'all stand up. Let's honor her this morning. Yes. She was not expecting this. (laughs) So awesome. Y'all, she makes me want to be better. Yes. And I think that's incredible. So incredible. Amazing. I, I'm sure you're shocked. Or maybe you were like, it could be no one but me. <laughs> I run this place. Michelle actually told me I needed to pick her for this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we love you and we so appreciate you. Your mom as well. It's just such a, an asset to this church and to yeah. the kingdom. So thank you. Let's so pray much. over her. Let's pray over yeah, her. Church, will you stretch your hand forward? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank Go you, ahead. Lord. Father, we just thank you. for this awesome opportunity that we get to honor one of your servants, Lord. I know that everything she does is just like the verse says, do it unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is, she does it unto you, Jesus. And we're just so blessed by her. We're blessed to have her here in this house. And we're, um, we're better because of Michelle. And so, Father, I just pray this upcoming year that you will just give her every desire of her heart. Lord, that you will just bless her and pour favor on her and in ways and areas that are unexpected. Yes. And God, we are just so, so grateful, and we just thank you for her. Bless her and her family. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, amen, amen. Michelle, thank you. Thank you for your urgency. Thank you for your excellence. You truly have a heart for the house. God bless you. Well, listen, church, thank you for being here on January 8th, 2023, the first gathering of this year. We love you. We'll see you at Awaken that begins this Wednesday. And we'll see you next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Take what you received in here and give it to someone out there. God bless you.